Aloha, and welcome back. This is Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. In this episode, you will learn more about how we are expanding our sense of worth on multiple levels. Enjoy the show. Hey, gracious aloha, soul dancer here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and founder of Soul University. Today is a unique interview because for some odd reason, a person who's known me for over eight years has asked me to interview them. I'm like, you really want me to do this, Karma? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Karma Spence, author of Public Speaking Superpowers. Best-selling author of Public Speaking Superpowers. Best-selling author on top of it. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you. It was because of all those wonderful people who bought my book on launch day. Karma, I honestly don't know where to begin because there's so much (laughs) history between you and I. The first question I said, knowing you as long as I have, you have had more than one, if not two, if not three occasions to scrap this whole thing. Because oh, yeah. Events in your life have come up where you could have said, screw it. But you stayed with it. You are a bulldog. I love it. <laughs> Why? This, this project, I really believe in it. I love speaking. And I really believe in the power of improving one's speaking ability in every area of their life. Because when you are confident to speak in front of a group of people, then you are more likely to do well in a job interview. You're more likely to get your promotion, get a managerial position, have more clients, have better relationships with your friends and family because you're more comfortable articulating anything you want to say. So that's one reason. And the other is I just, I'm a total geek and I just love being able to take my love of things that are geeky, in this case, superheroes and their superpowers with another love of mine, which is speaking. And I had to mush them all together. Once I got in my head that this project was going to happen, and that was back in 2010, it just never let go of me. And so despite the fact that I've had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle try to derail me from this, I'm like, no, I'm like one of those dog that bites and won't let go until you stop moving. (laughs) I think this book can help a lot of people. And the people I've talked to so far who have started reading it have all really liked it. So... I guess it was worth all the blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> oh, that's an understatement. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you interviewed over 90 people to write and amalgamate and condense and compost the information you have. What skeletons in your closet came out that you had to confront as you were talking to people? There's a part of me that knows I'm a good speaker. I'm very confident in that. Then I start speaking to people who are actually doing what I've wanted to do for years And they make it seem so easy. And I start thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Now, I've had a lot of reasons why I haven't pursued that. And some of them are between my ears. They're my own mind goblins. And some of them have been actual things happening in my life. I mean, since I started this project, I've gotten divorced. I've had a boyfriend that attacked me and ended up going to prison. I've been hit by a car. I've gotten married to a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. And I have a full-time job. So what a boring life. Can't you spice it up a little bit? I mean, (laughs) I know really very boring. What you brought out in you as you've gone through this process is just like honing your craft as a speaker. It takes patience. Yes. It takes tenacity. 
tenacity. It takes forgiveness too, right? Yeah. I mean, one thing that really came out very clearly is out of the 90 so people I spoke to, I think maybe three didn't confess to actually being nervous before they get up to speak. Some of them even talked about how they went from like standing in front of a room of people and wanting to throw up. One person even passed out. Another person moved twice to avoid speaking in public. And now they're professional speakers. So anybody can do this. You just have to get over yourself. Well, I am one of the few. I think you and I may be sharing that part of that few is when I'm on stage, I'm at home. When I'm on stage, I have no problems walking on stage because I sense, okay, we're here to do something, not just be entertained. So let me get into this now. As you were pulling together all of these interviews, I mean, first off, you transcribed how many of them? I think I transcribed about 89, finally. So you got the raw data out of there. That's your soil. Yeah. What was your gestation process? What were you doing as you were transcribing all of this information? Part of it was pulling out my hair. Because <laughs> a lot of those audios I transcribed myself. And the few that I hired out, I ended up having to transcribe myself anyway. But luckily, in the last year, I found a wonderful online program that makes transcribing it yourself really easy. There was just the, the being in it and doing the drudgery. And then there was a part of me that was starting to realize the patterns. And it was through this experience of not only interviewing the people, experiencing the interviews like three or four times, I realized that there is a journey that all speakers go through. In fact, I've started to organize my own training program around this, what I call the public speaking hero's journey. Because I noticed that if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell and his hero's journey, it always starts off with someone having a call to adventure and going, oh, hell no. <laughs> and then they meet a mentor and then they, they get over themselves and then they conquer it. Then they have to fight all these demons and then they bring it home. That's sort of a large picture view of it. Well, the same thing happens when you're a speaker. I have yet to meet a speaker who started off going, yes, I'm born this way. This is what I want. There's a few that are hams. But they didn't think in terms of speakers, they were just thinking, they just knew they wanted to be in front of people. But that's not very common. Most people are very anxious about getting in front of people so that when they get that call to adventure, their first reaction is, hell no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to speak in front of people. But eventually they realize they have to overcome that. They overcome it. They find mentors, teachers, experiences that help them get over their fear and improve their speaking. And eventually they're able to clarify their message and start spreading what's really true to who they are out into the world. I'm glad you brought that up because ladies and gentlemen, Karma is not only an author and professional speaker, but she's also a coach. You can help people unpack their stuff. Exactly. So they can get rid of it, right? That's an integral part of my speaker training program is what I call vanquishing mind goblins, because they're going to come up. I have them. I have to deal with them on a regular basis. And I've, I mean, there are a few speakers that'll say, oh yeah, I'm never afraid. Oh, yeah. And I've got an orange bridge I can sell you. <laughs> so let's take a journey now. Let's help our listeners understand the, the birthing process. Ten years ago, you got this idea of writing this book. Why? What, what kicked you? What was the initial, hmm, I need to write this book? I had at the time a blog, just because it was fun, and I like talking about speaking, and so I had this blog. 
And I came up with this idea of if public speakers were superheroes, what would their superpowers be? And I wrote a simple little blog post that really covered really not the key ones, but more of the technical ones like vocal variety and understanding an audience, that kind of stuff. And I posted my blog and it seemed very popular. And at, back at this time, article marketing by posting your articles to various article directories was a thing. That's no longer a thing. But back then it was a thing. And so I posted a version of that article on about four or five different article directories. And regardless of which one it was, it was always my most popular post. There, there might be something here. And so I thought, well, maybe I can expand this into a book. But then I also realized I'm not the be all end all of knowledge when it comes to speaking. So I thought, well, maybe I should talk to a few people. And so I got it in my head that I was going to interview 100 speakers. I petered out at 90. <laughs> yeah. You got wise at 90, in other words. <laughs> yeah, at that point I was just tired. And at the time I was also filing divorce. And so life was really, really intense that particular year. So as I started listening to all this, I realized I have a gold mine of information here. And so the last eight years has been my process of how do I get these audios into a text format that I can actually start massaging and using. While I was doing that, I had already bought the domain. And so I was constantly blogging and promoting it. So this book has been in existence before it was birthed. I really got serious, serious about it last year when I realized that I had the funds that I could just get it done. And so I hired a book coach. I've been working through his program and he's taught me things about book publishing I didn't know. And so that's why my book is now available in hardcover, which I've never had before. I just I decided. When I got hit by a car, I got a little bit of money. Not as much to cover all my health benefits, but what I decided to do is take a chunk of that and invest in this book and get it out in the world. So I've invested a lot of time and money in this book because I believe in it so much and I know it will help people. Well, I wish I could have a little passion in your voice. I mean, it's usually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a boring book. I don't read it. <laughs> I have to assume that not only did you start finding patterns as you were transcribing all that information, but simultaneously, I'm certain you also checked out other books on public speaking. You oh, yeah. started cross-referencing. And that's, I'd like to spend a few minutes of what makes your book different? How is it that your book is the book people should buy versus somebody else's book? As part of the book coaching, I had to write an actual proposal as if I was going to an outside publisher. And so I had to do some research on other books. And what I found, number one, if there's a speaking book that uses a superhero metaphor in its title or cover, that's all it is. It is not an integral part of the book. So that's one thing that makes it different. Uh -huh. Other thing I've noticed is that there isn't a book as a, that is as comprehensive as mine. They're either hyper-focused, like how to do a TED Talk, or how to use PowerPoint, or how to do business talks, or you know whatever the, the niche is. Mine is more of a primer. It's the first book you should read. I'm not saying those books aren't good. They're very good at what they do, but they don't give you a general all over. These are the skills you need to develop. And here are some ways to develop them. So much like a good cookbook. A good cookbook will lay out what you should have in your kitchen before you even start shopping. So that Exactly. This is kind of like speaking 101. Okay. 
So then as you were doing your proposal and you began to realize you has this gold mine, where did you get lost in what I call editor paralysis? Meaning, oh, do I cut this? Do I not cut that? Oh, I got it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the way I did this process is I took all my transcripts and then I chopped up all the quotes and put them into each chapter. So if this quote seemed to talk about passion, I'd put it in a file about passion. So then I'd have these documents that had all the quotes about passion or all the quotes about storytelling or all the, and then I would cut them up so that each quote was on an additional piece of paper and then I'd organize them. My first draft was like a string of quotes. Unfortunately, I had to cut some of the quotes because people said the same thing. Uh I mean, I talked to 89 people, so there was some overlap. And so I took the strongest quote. The book couldn't be 500 pages of one quote after another. That wouldn't serve anybody. Oh, I can see the review of your books now. So, Karma, as I've known you, as I've known your tendency to, to, to produce quality, that Thank little you. voice inside our heads known as the perfectionist, part of our chaos committee, that perfectionist, how did you make peace with that so that you could actually hit publish? <laughs> Well, part of it was having a a hard deadline. My publisher, every year, he has a conference. And if you've published your book by a certain date, you can actually go to the conference and speak on stage. And I wanted to be able to take advantage of that. This year, he launched a global award for books. You had to have it published by this date in order to even be eligible for that. And I made it in with like three days. Thankfully, I actually am one of the top 10 finalists. I'll find out if I finally win at the convention later this month. Woohoo! But having that deadline just pushed me. It's like, it's got to be done. Just get it done, get it done, get it done. And at some point, I just had to let it go. And I let my husband be the first reader. And he was not kind all the time. He, He was loving, but he was like, you're not making any sense here. Which was excellent because... I know all the stuff that goes around what I wrote. But a beginner who doesn't understand some of the more nuances, I might have been completely speaking over their head. And so having my husband read this and go, what are you talking about? Really, really helped. And then I invested in an editor. And she did a a round of editing as well. And she was very complimentary. I've I've been so humbled because... I put a lot of work in this book. I know it's good on one level, but it's certainly nice to hear from people who actually know what they're talking about when they read it and think it's good. And I've been getting a lot of good reviews. That's been very heartwarming. This is stuff they can do on their own. I can walk them through it, but this is a a speech, actually, is one of my signature speeches, are three things that you can do to help overcome your fear of speaking. There are ones that are from the outside in. Watch Amy Cuddy's TED Talk because she talks about how holding a power pose actually changes the chemistry in your brain to feel more confident. And I've rec- everyone I've recommended doing that to, if they've done it, has experienced a difference. In fact, I recommend doing, doing a power pose for two minutes every day because it'll just help you everywhere. It literally changes your brain, brain chemistry. It's crazy and it works. It's magic pixie dust as far as I'm concerned, I think. So that's one thing to do. Then there's the tip my father gave me when I was in high school, and that's basically fake it till you make it. You pretend you're not afraid, and eventually you're not. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I walk my clients through various ways to experience confidence when they're not feeling confident. 
the best way to overcome your fear is to be, realize where you are now when it comes to your fear and start pushing that fear envelope a little at a time. So if talking in front of your friends at a party is too hard for you, start talking in front of a mirror. Pretend you're in front of your friends, but do it in front of a mirror or do it in front of a camera and watch your video footage back. Once you start getting comfortable with that, talk in front of one trusted friend, someone you know loves you and will cheer you on and won't throw tomatoes. Continue to grow that audience to people, four people, six people. And eventually you'll get to the point where you're comfortable enough to speak in front of a room full of people. Now, will the fear 100% go away? Depends. Some people will always feel very anxious before they get up and give a speech. But you don't have to let that stop you. And a lot of, like I said earlier, professional speakers often have some form of anxiety or nervousness, but over time they've learned to take that nervous energy and turn it into a fuel for the opening of their speech. If you do it enough, you almost get jaded. Meaning that, I mean, I sometimes get nervous in front of a speech and sometimes I don't. It really depends on where I'm at on that particular day, but I'm always up for it, even if I'm nervous. It's just a matter of pushing the envelope of fear a little bit at a time. And you can do apply this to everything. I often tell a story about how when I was hit by a car two years ago, I was hit while walking across the street. So I became terrified of walking across the street. Not walking across the street for the rest of my life is not an option. So I was forced to overcome that fear. And so what I did is I pushed the envelope of fear a little bit at a time. My husband and I went to a crosswalk when there were no cars. And he held my hand back and forth across the street. Then he walked next to me. Then he walked behind me. Then he stood at the corner and watched me walk back and forth. And then over time, I got to times of the day where there were a little more cars, a little more cars. And to this day, I'm still a little anxious, anxious about crossing the street, but I'm able to do it without hyperventilating, without a panic attack. I'm able to do it. And it was all a matter of taking baby steps and pushing the envelope of fear a little bit at a time. So you flipped it. What I'm hearing is, is you flipped it. You flipped fear into a tool that you could use constructively versus it paralyzing. Exactly. You, you flipped it ounce by ounce, drip by drip. It's that reintegration and letting go of the reality that, yes, true, you were hit by a car. Are you going to be hit by a car every single day of your life? No. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> then this process of recognizing your own demons is part of the journey of becoming a good public speaker and being willing to be transparent to share those demons. Now you're talking about a key aspect of a good speaker, bonding. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Vulnerability is part of authenticity. And, and actually, the three top superpowers of public speaking that almost everyone mentioned if they didn't go into detail about it, passion, authenticity, and confidence. And authenticity and confidence often go together with passion. I mean, it's hard to have one without the other. They, they interplay with each other so well. Authenticity is basically having the confidence to show the audience who you really are. Now, does that mean you share every piece of dirty laundry? No. You want to be a better version of the mess, hot mess that you have at home. <laughs> what I hear you saying is everybody has something they can work on, but there's a perfection in working on that. 
there is a blossoming, a growing in that. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that accurate? I would say that's, a, that's definitely one way to look at it, yes. Well, I wanted to talk about the matter of public speaking. I've made comparisons to people in the United States who are monolingual and many in other countries where we have to learn English as a second language and do public speaking when our minds are actually taking our original language and translating it to English and trying to be precise with our diction and the manner in which we phrase a sentence, the construct, the definitions, because bow means something yesterday and bow means something on, you know, another sentence and learning all of that. I find that if an American who's grown up here and my goodness, they have to learn public speaking. Imagine how much worse it must be for us with another language who had to learn English and we're trying to give talk that will be interesting and that people will respect and listen to. One of my featured speakers actually does speak in three different languages. His native language was Romanian and he gives speeches in Romanian, English mm -hmm. and Spanish. And I found that fascinating because I only speak English. I can understand a smattering of Spanish and I can count to about eight in Kiswahili, as well as name a few animals because I lived in <laughs> Africa growing up. I have a great deal of respect with people who can speak more than one language. From what I understand from when I was speaking to that particular speaker is you have to get over the fear of speaking in your own language first. Then you work on the fear of speaking in other languages. And this is something he agreed with on me because I've experienced this too, because I've traveled, is if you give whatever language you're in, you're speaking in, if you're trying hard enough, and it's obvious that you're trying to communicate and you're respecting the language, your audience is gonna give you a break. I think a lot of it has to do with, number one, being confident in your message and then giving it the good college try and letting your audience know that you're, you're doing your best. And if you aren't exactly 100% in whatever that language is, let your audience know up front. Spanish is my second language. I'm not perfect in it. So if I get a word wrong, let me know. That is a part of your authenticity that will endear you to the audience. Karma, as you begin to sense the future, mm -hmm. a future that's got to deal with healing all the fractures that are currently being made by very passionate public speakers who are intent on delivering content that, while they may be passionate about, is factually incorrect if okay. not downright lies. It's propaganda designed to manipulate people into more fear. How do you see this role of public speaking being a source of healing? Well, I think that is sort of what taps into what I consider one of my superpowers. It's, it's my core essence is kindness. 
when I see something that is unkind, when I see something that is unkind, it really chaps my hide. (laughs) And I can get very incensed and it makes me very angry. I mean, I work on a college campus, so I'm exposed to a lot of rhetoric that is we are preaching tolerance while being intolerant of people's messages. And I think that if people can learn to speak their own message with confidence and kindness, that the world will be a better place. Wait, let me back you up. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so important what you just said. Thank you. We are always going to have differences of opinion. There's always going to be conservatives. There's always going to be liberals. There's always going to be yes people. There's always going to be no people. But there's going to be a middle ground if we are just open to it. And we can also agree to disagree. I mean, I have friends who have opinions about various topics that I totally don't agree with. That doesn't mean they aren't my friend. We just don't talk about that topic. (laughs) Yes, it's important to speak your message and stand up for people who aren't speaking their value, but not always make the other side wrong. There are two, three, five, 20 sides to every story. And no one side has necessarily got it all right. Acknowledge that public speaking is necessary to start reducing what I call hate. And I penned something that I've invited Karma to read. Karma, if you would be so kind, I wrote this many years ago when a number of people were gunned down in the very first U.S. school shooting, and there was a lot of high emotion, and I called it love haters. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on this prose before you read it? Well, I was just reading through it. What I like about the message is that even the people who are saying something that you don't agree, possibly even hate speech, they're human too. A lot of times, a lot of that negativity comes out because they're in pain themselves. That's where kindness is really important to me. Let us learn this time round other ways to love and grow. Views, friends, ideas ground, every day release to know how each soul is wise always. And at times, blind to those tears of trust, support, and praise. And now the ways we sow remorse, hate, fear, and tolls, starting now, I vow to love. The letter of each line spells out the message, love, haters. That's a mnemonic device that you use, I'm sure, many times in your presentations. Karma, where can we find you? What can we do to get a hold of your book? What are your next upcoming events? Well, you can learn everything about the book as well as links to buy it on Amazon at publicspeakingsuperpowers.com. That's publicspeakingsuperpowers.com. Karma, it has been a delight and a pleasure. I look forward to watching Public Speaking Superpowers start its own grassroots movement with you at the helm.
All right, that wraps it up. Thanks for listening. This is Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. You can listen to all sorts of on-demand shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. Again, bit.ly forward slash pay radio has hundreds of on-demand shows for you to enjoy, learn, laugh, and grow with ease and grace. Aloha.